The following podcast contains spoilers and language that our mothers would prefer we did not use. Like Mate, did we watch a thing this week? Yeah, we did. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to We Watched a Thing. It's Billy and Topher here with you again. How are you, friend? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Traveling okay. Way to kill the gusto, mate. I come in bringing some good energy to the show, and you're just like, yeah. You sound like Ross from Friends. Well, you ask me the same question like every week, and I don't know what, like, what, <laughs> what's happened in the last seven days where you're like, Topher's going to have a great story. Well, I don't know. I don't know. Sometimes- I've been, I've been, I've been at work, mate. Sometimes you have something interesting to say. Well, how, how's work been? How's that been going? Good content. <laughs> okay. All right. Up yours. I'll tell you what. We will have we will have good content today because it's always great when you get to watch something truly exceptional and wonderful. And that happened because today they dropped the trailer for <laughs> Recipe for Seduction, the Colonel Sanders movie. And it was the best thing I've ever seen. I mean, wow. We're literally like an hour off having watched this thing for the first time. Incredible. It looks amazing. I can't wait to find out how this thing ends. (laughs) So what did we watch this week? Requested by a patron, 2006's Pan's Labyrinth. As far as I know, our first patron request we've had for a movie that the patron themselves have not seen. Yeah, kind of weird, if I'm honest. Yeah, patron of the show, Daniel, said that he's had it on his watch list for ages and thought that he might get to it if if we did an episode on it and then he could kind of join us in on it. So, that's, that's kind of fun. <laughs> now, you have seen Pan's Labyrinth. True. Have you seen it since 2006? No, this is the first time since my first time. I've seen it a few times, but all all a long time. This would be the first time in at least 10 years. Um, so, shall we get into it? <sighs> Love to. All right. Pan's Labyrinth, also known in Spanish as El Labyrinto del Forno, literally the Labyrinth of the Fawn, is a 2006 dark fantasy film written and directed by Guillermo del Toro. Uh, it's a Spanish-Mexican co-production, and it stars Ivana Baquero, Sergi Lopez, Maribel Verdu, Doug Jones, and Ari- Ariadna Gill. And what is it about, Toph? I love it when you are faced with names that <laughs> you're not familiar with. I didn't do too bad, mate. That was that was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, good stuff. <laughs> and what is it about, Toph? Dual stories, really, of a, a girl faced with challenges and obstacles in being a rebellious little champion yep and of a miserable grumpy soldier hunting soldiers in the woods yep and i say dual story because it re- i'd forgotten how much it really is a dual story and how much time we spend away from ophelia in this movie i had also forgotten that i remembered a lot of it being from her perspective and and point of view there's quite a bit of stuff that happens even without like it's not even all through the perspective of say her mother or or Mercedes the maid. A lot of it is is just El Capitan rocking around. Which yeah, that's not how I remembered it at all. But no, having watched it yesterday, I can tell you that's what happened. Yeah, yeah, I, I was the same. I was the same. Yeah. So tell us about your viewing. Well, I watched I watched half of it yesterday. I'd watched one half the night before. Yeah, and it was your dodgy version. <laughs> 
And then last night when I was like, okay, I'm going to watch the second half, um, I actually, I don't know why I didn't do this to begin with. I always do this. Well, not apparently not always, but mostly. I check how much it is to, if it's available for rent. Yeah. It was three bucks. I was like, you can have three of my human dollars <laughs> to watch Pan's Labyrinth. Um, really happy with that call. Significantly yeah. better quality. Yeah. Um, an SRT file for the captions that actually was in sync with the movie. Um, that was great. Yeah. Um, I fully recommend paying $3 rather than watching Billy's version. Uh, I, w- I, I have now gone and got myself a Criterion copy, so I'm all good now. <laughs> <laughs> Happy to hear it. Um, yeah, okay. So, you obviously do not speak Spanish. So, <laughs> watched it with subtitles, I'm guessing. Fun fact, which I did not know. Um, Guillermo wrote the subtitles for this film himself. He was unhappy with the subtitles that were on his previous film with the translation and, and interpretation. So, he he spent quite a while actually writing the subtitles himself for this film just to make sure that it captured what he wanted it to. And that doesn't sound like a big deal, but it's a shit job. Yeah, I had to caption a 25-minute thing the other day. And a, a couple of minutes in, I was like, no, nah, I'm outsourcing this. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not I'm oh, not I refuse to do two-minute videos. Especially not just not just captioning, but, you know, the, the translating and interpreting just adds a whole other layer to it. And to make sure that it got his intended meaning across. Like, that, that's, that's a pretty big thing for a director to, to step down and do a job that lowly, I think. Oh, wouldn't catch me doing it. No, it really shows how much he cares about and his I'm, art. And I'm not Guillermo del Toro. <laughs> no, you are not. <laughs> <laughs> um, but fun fact about the movie, you don't really need the subtitles. You can perfectly follow this thing without them, which is testament to Del Toro's... It's, it's, not, it's not a shock to anybody that Del Toro is an excellent visual storyteller. Yes. Um, so at the one hour mark of your dodgy copy, when the captions <laughs> reverted to the beginning of the film and were of no use to my English-speaking brain (laughs) i continued watching for kind of 20 to 30 minutes yeah kind of just for fun and then the next day went back went back to the one hour mark and watched it again and realized that i'd missed very little like there's some there's some details you're missing out on obviously yeah Yeah. but del toro's very good at his job and you can follow this film yeah that that's true i mean there'd be some kind of Maybe some small symbolism and stuff that you might miss just that comes across narratively. But I, I agree with you 100%. And it's such a gorgeous film just to look at and watch. The cinematography in this film is so beautiful. Nice mix in it between the – because they don't, they don't go for realism yeah. in terms of the lighting. The, any, any scenes that are either daylight or lit by lanterns or fires or anything the the warmth in those shots is exaggerated yes to the same extent that the blue is exaggerated yes in nighttime they just really lean into this kind of fairy tale fable feeling of the movie i was going to bring that that's the one visual thing that i'm not sure really works there's a couple of shots that look very much like day for night shots where i was going to say yes i have i have yep 
I was like, the only time I don't like it. That's right. Is the day for night. Because the problem is that not not is not even so much the blue. As you, I don't mind them leaning into the blue. The problem for me is the brightness level of the sky. They haven't done enough work in post to try and bring that brightness down. And so you're sitting there and you go, like, I know this is supposed to be night, and obviously we've got this lovely blue wash over everything, but that sky is so bright that it just it really takes. It it took me out. There there are maybe three or four shots where it's really, really bad. Apart from that, I think most of the visuals really hold up. I think, you know, we're nearly 15 years on from this film, and I had forgotten how much of it was practical. Like, the fawn is almost entirely practical. Like, that that's a suit that Doug Jones is in. Um, and, and the same with the pale man. Like, it, most of that is practical makeup and effects. And I think so much of that holds up really, really well. And I'm glad they made that decision because the few things that are fully CGI, and I'm thinking the fairy, don't look as effective today. But, geez, some of those practical effects really hold up. One of the, the kind of problems with the fact that, yeah, the fawn looks so good and that the, the set design and everything yes. is so good, the production looks great for almost all the film is that then when the cgi doesn't hold up it really sticks out like even things like the when there is an explosion off in the distance yes yes it's not composited great it's bad yeah i'm like oh just just do it just have some smoke yeah yeah like it'd probably cost less to just put some smoke up in the air yeah, I agree with you because that explosion from memory happens during one of those day for night shots, but the blue wash doesn't carry over the flame. The flame almost looks like it's on top of all these other layers. And it, yeah, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. There is some tough stuff there. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's it. And it's made worse by how good the rest of it looks. Yeah, because it's such a gorgeous looking film. Obviously, nominated for quite a few Oscars, I believe it won three in the end including production design. Um, yep. And, cinem- and cinematography. Yes. I wouldn't have voted for it, but that's fine. I'm not the Academy. Well, yeah, I was I was looking up and I messaged you and you don't agree, but looking it up, I was surprised to remember what a good year 2006 was for film and some of the other films that this was up against. Yeah, it was, it was a very good year. I don't think 06 was an abnormally good year. I feel like it was better than the last two years, definitely. Well, that's a fucking stunning sample, Billy. (laughs) 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 To to answer the question that you didn't ask me, I'd have voted for Emmanuel Lebeski for Children of Men for cinematography. That that was going to be the question I was going to ask, yes. (laughs) Great looking film. Pan's Labyrinth, but- Good thing Lebeski would then win three in a row, like, two years later. <laughs> now, I was actually surprised to realise when we got this request, you and I have never discussed this film together. So, I did not know your thoughts on this film. But your exact words when we got the request were, oh, that'll be good because I can tell people how overrated it is. <laughs> I need to know about this. I need to, I need to actually know what you think of this film and, and why. Uh, really, I was just trying to get a rise out of you. Okay. All right. Because I, like like most other people, adore this film. This is still, um, it's it's Metacritic's highest rated film of that decade. Metacritic or Rotten Tomatoes? Metacritic. So, yeah, let's get this out of the way. I, I like this film. I very much like this film. Yeah. Though, when I said overrated, 
yes, I also think that. <laughs> this is not a type in all caps, grab your pitchforks thing. We're not diametrically opposed on this. It's just that we like it to different degrees. Okay. Is it because it relies so heavily on a child actor? Is that is that No, she's think- good. She's excellent. She's got to be one of the best child actors in the last 15 years. I mean, there's there's maybe one scene where I think and, and it's the pale man scene when she's eating the food and I think a lot of that actually is the script which I I know that there's the symbolism there and you know there's a there's a reason that she's eating the food, but in your head you go and like Come on, mate. You were told not to eat the food. <laughs> and it is a little bit hard to believe her performance there just because you don't believe someone would actually do that. <laughs> but then again, like, she's a, she is a little rebel. Yeah. Yep. And she's like, oh, fuck it. I want some fruit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing, though. You would eat the food. <laughs> I'd eat the food. You'd eat the food. <laughs> I, well, I would definitely eat the food. I certainly wouldn't go for grapes, though. Like You wouldn't have eaten it on the way back from the pale man. You'd have eaten it on the way to him. Yes, that's true. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> yeah. And even even when he came to life and looked at me with his creepy eyes, I'd still be stuffing some chicken down my gullet. <laughs> but, you know, then again, in that scene, like, she proves herself to be a, an, an industrious young person. The way she gets out of that place. Yeah. Good job, Ophelia. Yeah. Um, quick question for you. The, the underworld and, and the fantasy elements of the film. What are your thoughts on that? Do you believe that any of this is really happening in her reality? Or do you think that this is her escapism from the world around her? Okay, so if you'd asked me that last week, I'd have said my memory of the film is absolutely that that's her escape. That it is absolutely all in her head. Which, if that's how you read, I got no beef with reading the film that way at all. In fact, I may still, it may still be where I land. The thing is... How does she get out of that room? If not for the magic chalk doorway, how did she get out of that room? Yeah. I've always believed that it's um, real, I think. that's It's one of the things I like about it, actually, is that you can kind of choose your own adventure. Yes, you absolutely can. Yeah, you can read it any way you want. Yeah. And then, and then at the end, and you could say, because, you know, I mean, at the end, they give you, if you choose to take it that way, proof that- she is the princess, yada, yada, yada. You could also be like, yeah, but she's dead. Maybe this is heaven for her. Well, that's true. Yeah, or or hell, I guess, because she's the daughter of Satan. <laughs> <laughs> Tough beat. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I love the idea of that, that to this little girl, her reality is so awful that literally being the spawn of Satan- is the better option. <laughs> like like there's some there's some really nice and kind of beautifully dark stuff happening here. Like even when you first see the the fairy and it's it's like this kind of ugly grasshopper looking thing. And when that first came up my wife was like no kid would think that that's a fairy. But I'm like I actually think that's kind of beautiful that to her she she's able to see the kind of magic and beauty in this ugly looking creature. It is also ammunition for it's all in her head. Yeah, that's also true. Yeah. And that's that's one of the nice things about Guillermo del, Toro, del Toro's screenwriting and filmmaking is that you can interpret so many of these things any which way you want. Like, I mean, sure, you could say, how did she get out of the room? I guess the next argument is maybe she was never actually in the room in reality. <laughs> maybe that was part of her fantasy too. Yeah, because mere minutes later, how she gets away from- 
the captain's desk to her hiding spot does not check out. Yeah. So she's clearly a ninja as well. Well, yes. <laughs> so then you're like, oh, well, of course she can get out of a room. Bad job staying alive by the locals. Yeah. Like, what were you doing here? We were hunting some rabbits. Yeah. You forgot to then say, as evidenced by, <laughs> by the rabbits by the in rabbit our in bag. bag. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, great scene, though. That's one of the scenes that had really stuck with me. I remembered the bottle bashing. Um, but this, oh, geez, it's so brutal that he, like, he continues to check their bag so nonchalantly, finds the rabbit. Like, it just, it doesn't matter to him. He He just killed these people just because. And then blames somebody else for the fact that he did it. Yeah, yeah. He's like, well, their blood's on your hand. It's like, <laughs> no, no, Captain. You <laughs> fucking butchered them. Yeah. That's very much on you. He's a bad egg, the Captain. Oh, bad egg. Real bad egg. <laughs> and he, I, I believe that, um, that some people tried to convince Del Toro not to cast him. Because I think that in Spain- He's known as a comedic actor. Really? And they were like, no one will buy him as the captain. Wow. He was fantastic. Which then if, if all you know him from is Pan's Labyrinth, that's that's weird. Yeah, yeah. Not a bad performance in this film. No, I really like the doctor. Yep. I really like Mercedes. I don't love the mum. Really? Yeah. I think she does a fairly good job. I mean, she arguably, and it's surprising, you would think not that a she ton would have a to, larger not a ton role. To work with. No, there's not a ton to work with. Most of her job is just to stay in bed and be sickly. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> um, much as I like the captain, though, he's, he's one of my things with the movie. Much as I think the captain is well played, and you know, I mentioned before that I was surprised upon a rewatch how much of the film we're with him and not Ophelia. For me... If if I'm 100%, if 100% of the audience for this film is Topher, yeah. this is a 90-minute film that's not a two-way story. It's Ophelia's story. And I don't, I don't need nearly as much stuff with the soldiers in the hills and the captain. I don't need it. I feel like part of what really, really makes this movie work for me and makes it click is, is that juxtaposition. It's... It, it is the, the meld of the two stories that, that really make this movie sing for me. Otherwise, you're just dealing with a straight children's fantasy film. And I, I know that there are ways that you can, you can still work the, you know, the, the brutality and the horror around that. I'd, I'd be really happy for the captain to blow in every 10 to 15 minutes, still do some brutal shit. And, you know, a bit, a bit more, probably a bit more Heath Ledger Joker style. Just pops up every now and again. In your memory, he's in the film more than he actually is because the scenes are so memorable. Um, Captain, maybe superhuman. Uh, that mouth wound. Uh, Healed up a beauty. Could you stitch yourself up? Well, not for fun. No, but like, is that? I don't think I could physically do that. I don't. I just don't think I could do it. I don't think you could do it either. <laughs> There's a lot of things I don't <laughs> think I could do. When the doctor was having to amputate that guy's foot. I, I literally turned to my wife and said, "If that was me, I would. I would literally rather he just kill me. Honestly, <laughs> like, and it's not like I could live without a foot. I couldn't go through the pain of having it cut off. I would rather just, you know, quick death." 
I, but he didn't even need to bother stitching his mouth back together. It was fine. He just yeah. had a bigger mouth. <laughs> yeah, it was very clean, wasn't it? Remarkably so. <laughs> Especially for like, Del Toro doesn't mind a bit of gore. Yeah. I'm surprised that he didn't like bloody the shit out of that guy's face. Yeah, that's true. For like, for that, for that scene. Yeah. Also, bad job by Mercedes escaping. She rocks. Mercedes- just, fi- just finish him. I like Mercedes, but Me- yeah. But finish him off. I thought the same thing. I'm like, why would you not make sure he's dead? Like, you're the one with a knife. He's he's down on the ground. And, you know, she gets out and runs away and he doesn't follow for a good 30, 40 seconds. So, he was clearly down. She could have just finished him off. Very lucky to escape this film alive, Mercedes. Very lucky. Yes. Let's Possibly talk- my favourite character, though. Oh, no, maybe the Doctor. Probably the Doctor. Yeah, Doctor's pretty great. Let's talk final scene and, and, and the, the climax of the film, when the two stories do kind of come together and um, Ophelia is tasked with, with stealing the baby. Very labyrinth-esque. <laughs> what, how, how do you feel about the, the climax of the film? I, I Look, I largely- I like the end of the film, Yeah. The final act does work for me. So you don't you don't mind the, those two characters really coming together at that point? No, not at all. Yeah, Doug Jones, killing it. Like as much as like the look of the fawn is striking and instantly recognisable to anybody who's seen the film, the performance of the fawn by Doug, who does not speak Spanish, yeah. Is fucking great. It really, really is. It, the, the amount of character that he manages to bring to that. And it's such a beautiful, perfect piece of design too. Because this fawn is so, like, it's it's really grey. There are times where you're like, well, this fawn is clearly evil. <laughs> like, Yeah, that's it. You're never quite sure about yeah, the fawn. But there are other times where you really do believe, like, the stories that he's telling. It is just such perfect design and performance that he's able to wrap all that up so nicely. I mean, also great performances as the Pale Man, because he does both in this film. Yeah, the Pale Man, I, I like, the Pale Man's amazing. I, For me, the Pale Man, the fawn is much more about Jones's performance than the Pale Man, I think. Yeah. Because the Pale Man is just this absolutely sick piece of design. Yeah. And that's where the awesomeness comes from, I think. Yeah. So, the title of the film, which in Spanish does not reference Pan. No, quite clearly says Fawn. Yes. <laughs> um, interesting choice to change the title that much and not just leave it as the Labyrinth of the Fawn. Especially, like, if given Del Toro, like, went to the trouble of doing the translation- yeah. Weird that, weird that the title's different. Yes. because I mean, d- do you know what Pan is? It's the kid who fights with Hook. <laughs> so, Pan is a Greek god who is fawn-like in nature. He's, he's not technically a, a fawn, I guess, but he's fawn-like. And he, he's the god of, of many, many things, including, you know, he's linked to fertility and sex, but also, you know, kind of mischief and, and things like that. Um, but Del Toro has come out saying, but, you know, the, the fawn that's in the film, that's not Pan. <laughs> so, it, I, I just don't know how I feel about the title, really. It, it's it's a little bit strange for me. Because, as you say, yeah, he, he went to the effort of doing the, the translations. He's very um, particular 
Like there's nothing in the- I know that you feel like the film could be shorter. To me, I feel like it's- well, and I'll get there, but literally a, a near perfect film. I think that there is- there's- everything is done so methodically and with purpose that I, I find- and I mean, I guess the title must be with purpose as well, but to me, I, I don't understand it. <laughs> You'd have gone with Devil Child Winds Up Okay. <laughs> well, I just would have left it with Labyrinth of the Fawn. Like, if if that's the title he went with in Spanish, I don't understand why you wouldn't- like, why is that changing, I guess? I don't have an answer for you. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Didn't think you would. <laughs> Haven't spoken to Guillermo in a few days. <laughs> Man, he'd be awesome to be mates with, wouldn't he? Yeah. And apparently gives the best hugs of any human oh, on Earth. I bet. <laughs> Um, can we please, and I know that I know you're going to make fun of me for even just saying this and you're going to make some Billy Bingo joke or something, but can we please talk about how incredible the score for this film is? From the moment the film starts and you've got that humming of the, you know, the lullaby theme, it is so memorable. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't remember it at Really? All. As soon as that first bar started- I started singing along with the second because I remembered it so well. And I haven't seen this film in, as I said, over 10 years. But it is such a perfect, haunting- it, And it matches the kind of fairy tale-esque themes and, and you know, production of the film so well. I, I adore this score. Have to take your word for it. You don't even, you couldn't hum it right now? You don't remember how it goes? Not, not a bar. Jesus. Incredible score. It's so, so great. It was nominated for best score. I don't believe it won, though. All right. So, speaking of score, <laughs> how are you scoring this, mate? Yeah. So, I'm I'm the one person who doesn't worship at the altar of Pan's Labyrinth. I still really like it. I'm a seven out of ten. I enjoy this film. A seven? I just don't- I don't love it. Wow. Yeah. Look, I mean, that's- I mean, you do you. You do you. <laughs> Um, I'm a I'm a nine. My memory was a ten, but I do think just and I know it's not often fair to talk about how things hold up because you have to look at something in the the time and place it was made. But particularly, I think given how strong so many elements of the the production are, things like those day for night shots, I I can't give it a perfect score because they do let it down and take me out of the film. There's a few things like that happening, but I think this is definitely one of the strongest screenplays of all time for me anyway there's nothing i would edit i i think that it's near perfect in that regard so nine out of ten so just to reiterate we're only separated by two <laughs> yeah we're not on like totally different pages yeah <laughs> um but like honestly because the, the three amigos all made film released films in 06 for me pan's labyrinth is third out of the three what were the other two what did inarito and um- curon curon makes children of men oh, and inarito yeah. releases babel yeah, okay. I'm I'm not a fan of Babel, which I know you are. Um, but I have I haven't seen that since 06 either. I was working in a cinema at the time and I went to see that and it was like it was my own fault. I knew nothing about the film. It was like a 9:30 session and I'm sure you remember how long that film is. We didn't get out till after midnight and my wife and I were like, "Oh, Jesus." <laughs> so uh, I probably need to give it a rewatch. I maybe wasn't fair on the film just because of my viewing. Um, but yeah, geez, children of men. Yeah, I mean <laughs> Yeah, those films. <laughs> All right. All right. What are we getting to next week, buddy? Might be like this week. Bit of a surprise. Couldn't tell you. Oh, really? <laughs> are we not going to do The Accountant? Oh, we're probably going to do The Accountant. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, and then after that, it's Christmas, mate. Yeah, it is. All right, cool. In the meantime, if you want to get in touch with us, you can do that at wewatchthething.com or wewatchthething at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all under the handle at wewatchthething. If you want to help support the show, you can do that at patreon.com forward slash wewatchthething, and we'll catch you next week. See ya. Come on, you remember that? Nope. Nothing. You suck. <laughs>